Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 13 of the Looking at Stamps podcast. This week, I finished the interview with Heidi Belinsky, who is the owner of Max & Co. Post. This week, we talk about birds, how it all began, triangle and corner stamps, her favorite stamps, and postcard and postage stamp storage. Now, let's go. Okay, Heidi, here we go. Uh, we have the lightning round questions, and the first one is right in your wheelhouse. Favorite bird song? Favorite bird song? What song of the bird that you like to hear? Oh, or, or, right, right at this moment, it happens to be wrens. I've, I finally figured out what a wren sounds like, and I have a wren um, couple that's living somewhere around our house, so I can sit at my dining room table, and every now and then I'll hear them singing. And I love yeah, that. I, I wish I knew more about birdsong uh, and birding in general, but, uh, but yeah, I love waking up in the morning to whatever birds are outside my window. And I'm Fabulous, thinking about... Yeah. Uh, thinking about getting one of those uh, uh, suction feeders that you can put on your windows and just, yeah, yeah. And, and do that. Uh, but, yeah. If you had to cook one thing, your go-to recipe, what would it be? Oh, my God, I don't know how to cook. That's why I <laughs> eat cereal. <laughs> um, that's the biggest joke in our house is okay. nobody wants to eat my cooking. So the things I cook, I, I make tuna salad. I make oatmeal. Um, I make nachos really good, of course, using the packaged seasoning for the ground beef. Oh, that, that's um, a recipe. That works. That's yeah, nice. <laughs> I, I can't say that any of it is edible to anybody other than me, though. My husband well, does all the cooking. He's a okay. fabulous chef. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay. Favorite birding location or vacation spot that you visited? Oh, Brownsville, Texas. Really? Oh, I can't wait to go back. It's it's um, it's heaven for birders. That's I can't even describe how wonderful it is with the, the the multitude of birds and the amount of different birds that are there and the constant changing of birds because it's right there on the Gulf Coast. So all the migrations come through there. Yeah. There's nothing. There, there's not much else at Brownsville for those listeners out there, <laughs> other than the birds uh, and, of course, the Gulf Coast. You know, you do get the water, but but yeah, that in the prison. That's about it. You yeah. Know. Well, I can't. I didn't know there was a prison there. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but I can tell you the other thing. Oddly, I went. I took my mom with me the last time that I went. With the only time that I've been there, um, we discovered rotisserie chicken at the grocery stores there is outstanding compared to the rotisserie chicken we get here in Seattle. Okay, but there you go. I don't, great, know, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, and great Mexican food. Some of the best exactly. Mexican food in Texas uh, exactly. is in Brownsville. Absolutely. If you could meet any living person, who would it be? Oh, any living person? RBG. Ruth. I have, I have Ruth no... Bader Ginsburg. Oh, okay, okay. That, yeah. uh, okay. Okay, RB, would, okay, now I get it, yeah, yeah. Would love to just say hi to her. Yeah, uh, I, I admire her for a variety of reasons, but I also actually admire her opera knowledge. She's a great operaphile, and oh, knows yeah. so much about opera, uh, and she's just, I mean, yes, I, I agree. Um, someone I met that was similar to was uh, Sonia uh, Sotomayor. I had a chance to, to meet her uh, right after she had uh, been elevated to the Supreme Court. 
Uh, she uh-huh. came to the Bronx and got to meet her and had a five-minute conversation with her and uh, absolutely lovely, lovely person. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Last question of the lightning round. What have you learned about yourself during the quarantine? Um, well, so interestingly, I, I tend to really like uh, medical thriller books. And I've read a lot of books where epidemics have happened because of biowarfare, et cetera. Um, so what I discovered about myself is I'm both terrified and anxious, but that is all controlled because I kind of have this mental idea of how it's going to play out and how it could play out, and it calms me down. Okay. So through through my fear and anxiety, I can I can calm myself down by thinking of it more as a science. Right. Is that does that make any yeah, sense? Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It, it just uh, by being inundated through literature, uh, creative literature, you can posit what the outcome may or may not be, and so that right. uncertainty is now a certain certainty. Right. Yeah, right, so exactly. you know, it's not as fearful because you, you've seen the blown-out ramifications of all this, but then you also have seen the positive outcomes of all this um, uh, through, through literature. So, right, yeah, no, right. I, I, I get that. I get that a lot. I used to teach a course called uh, Comparative Literature, and we would, we would do something similar, uh, but not in medical field, but in literature of, of poverty as displayed in Dickens as opposed as it is displayed now. And how the, the similar themes are there, and take some of that, some of that angst out of poverty as we know it, because we've seen other societies in poverty and how they've survived it. So exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I think what I've learned about myself is that my real life's not too dissimilar to quarantine life. <laughs> that, you know, I, I can be my own best friend to keep myself occupied. Uh, very easily and not go necessarily stir crazy like some of my friends are. Yeah, yeah so yeah, that, that's uh, exactly. <laughs> okay, so um, see that wasn't so bad, now was it? That wasn't that wasn't bad at all. So how did it all get started? What did were postage stamps first or postcards first? How did how did it all begin? I guess for you, postcards definitely first. So I've been collecting postcards since I was five. Um, my grandfather I had one grandparent when I was born. And the rest of it already passed away. My grandfather lived in Germany, and we just developed a bit of a pen pal relationship, sending postcards back and forth to each other. And I saved every postcard that he sent me. Um, so that's how it all started. People then, family members in my life, um, started supporting that once they saw that I was interested in it. Other people that were close to me would constantly mail me postcards. My mom started slowly giving me postcards that she had. She she was a collector when she was younger also, so I do have some old German postcards from her before she was came to the States. Um, so that that's definitely came before stamps. Stamps came um, after I got married. My husband, as a child, was a, a stamp collector with his dad. It was a project for him to do with his dad. And at one point, his dad gave me um, Abby's old stamp book. 
And then I said, oh, you know what? My mom has this box of stamps, and, and she gave me her old stamp book. And together with all the stamps I was getting on postcards, because I was already post-crossing at that point, I realized, wow, this is actually really cool. So it kind of exploded from there. Now, what about new stamps? How do you get your new stamps? So we've primarily been talking about stamps that you've been putting, you know, keeping in boxes or that you've been putting yeah. in albums. What about new stamps, unused stamps? Do you, do you My, collect those as well, or do you just get them to use, or what do you do for new stamps? No, the, so the I I I do not collect um, new stuff. I even my postcard collection, I prefer to have everything written and postmarked and stamped rather than having brand new postcards in my postcard collection. So I'll often swap out, like with Lantern Press, if I know that somebody has is sending postcards I see online, you know, somebody's sending a postcard that I have a brand new one in my collection, I will ask for a used one and I will swap out the new one for it. Um, same with stamps. I don't really want new stamps. I have friends that send me mini sheets or, you know, commemorative stamps, and I do keep those because that's – it's got a more of a sentimental connection to it. Um, but the new stamps that I buy, I buy solely for sending postcards. And I buy them either from the post office directly. Um, I buy them – my husband travels a lot, so when he travels, I will go online and try to get the – a set of postage stamps from whatever country he's going to, and then some postcards with him to mail for me. So I, you know, I, I have a multitude of international websites that I'll try to get stamps from. Um, and as far as more vintage stamps for using on postcards, I have a local stamp dealer who's our age. Um, he's absolutely fabulous. And he comes to all of our post-crossing meetups with a bin and folders with stamps sorted by denomination. And you go up to him and you say, you know what, I need some 35-cent stamps. He'll pull out the 35-cent stamp folder. Or when I was doing chain cards um, more regularly, I mean, I had, I think at one point I had 25 chain cards going at the same time. Wow. I would say, you know, you know what, I need, um, I need ships, but I'm looking for more tall ships and less uh, military ships. And he he would be able to rattle off, oh, there was one in 1945, and there was one in 1966. You know, he knows exactly what stamps there are and what denominations they are. So he pulls them out like that and gives you the folder. You can go through the folder, see if he has any. And he sells them at face value. That's uh, See, there need to be more people like him in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You'll have to DM me his contact because I would love to interview him for the podcast. Could you imagine just that that knowledge to be able to he, do that, you know, up top of your head? I mean, it's just, yeah, that's it's so yeah, cool. Yeah, and and he's he's a multi generate. He's like the third generation of stamp dealers in the family, I believe. So he would be a great one to interview. I will. You, I'm writing myself a note. Do you have a favorite used stamp? I have. I do. Um, the one stamp that I cannot – I have several unused ones to use on postcards, and I have used ones in my collection, and I can't seem to get rid of them. I have to hold on to them. There's actually two, and they're very similar. They're both etchings. Um, one is Shakespeare. I wrote down what they were here. So it's 1964 five-cent Shakespeare stamp. It's got number 1250. 
Okay. And a 1965 Dante stamp. Again, it's uh, an etchings. Five cent, one, two, six, eight. Yeah, I love that Dante stamp. Yeah. Uh, I, it's I absolutely one, right? adore etchings. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a red one. And the Shakespeare one is on kind of a beige paper with black ink. Yeah. Uh, love that style. And I'm tell- I have so many, and I keep thinking, okay, just stick them on postcards and mail them off, but I can't do it. <laughs> I have a couple of each of those. Um, the Dante stamp, I think I have a full sheet of, uh, wow. and it's just and it's just finding the right because I you know I match you know I try to even match the post stamp to the card that I'm sending or to person I know that's going to uh, cherish it. So right. and, and I don't have a lot of people into in literary arts that's going to even know who Dante is or appreciate who Shakespeare is or was. So, exactly. Uh, but I, and, I understand and the, that the whole etching. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the, the funniest thing about those two being my favorite stamps is English was my worst class all the way through college, by far. I could not get through books that were assigned to me. I didn't know how to discuss the books. I'm I am not a literary person at all, and yet my two favorite stamps are literature related. <laughs> Well, the Dante I like because, you know, there are special circles in hell and, and you know, <laughs> for some of these people that are that we're running across right now. But, uh, but yeah, uh, but, but, <laughs> but that etching style, though, I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of the etching style because there are a lot of beautiful stamps that have that etching look to them. Uh, uh-huh. and, uh, and there are people who collect just those stamps, that style right. of stamp. And it's such right. a historical um, – even Graham um, from uh, Exploring Stamps liked, uh, called out that uh, etching style in one of his favorite stamps from um, from France. Uh, uh-huh. So, uh, but yeah, uh, what what themes do you have? Themes that you collect that you you seek I, yeah. out purposely? What would those yeah, be? Yeah. So, so my personal collection. I started trying to do the the Scott catalog collection like my father-in-law did, uh, and decided early on that, okay, this is way too much for me to handle. I got a little too obsessed, and I wasn't moving through my stamps fast enough trying to put what I wanted to keep away, so I couldn't sell anything that I had. I couldn't use anything for craft projects. So I narrowed it down to themes. Um, I collect anything that's mail-related, so mailboxes, mailmen. um, Like postal history kind of stuff? Or not even... No, stamps that have something mail-themed on them. Okay. So, you know, delivery trucks, mail delivery trucks. There's a whole series early on from the special delivery stamps where, you know, there's a mailman with a bicycle or a mailman with an old truck. Um, um, The the pigeon, uh, yeah, it's a pigeon post. I think it's actually a dove. You often see stamps with a dove carrying a letter. Right. Or pigeon carrying a letter, carrier pigeon. Um, all those kind of stamps I have, airmail stamps. Um, I also love triangle stamps. In fact, that's the one stamp that I use the most on postcards is triangle stamps. And Alan, my dealer, always every time I see him, he whips out how many ever sheets of triangle stamps he has and hands them to me right away when he sees me. Um, now, so do I you know a, which have, ones you use of those, of the, the triangle tri- stamps? Yeah, the triangle stamp that I use the most is it's a 32 cent stamp, um, 1997, and it has it's two 
one is a red triangle and yeah. one is a blue triangle. It has right. a stagecoach and the other one has yeah. a clipper ship. Yeah, it's the Expo 97 stamp, I think it's called. I think that's the official yeah. title of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there there's some great, you know, I think there's even, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's an American dance stamp that's a corner stamp as well. We used to call them corner stamps because you can put them in the corner. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's there's another one that's like, it's not Lewis and Clark. In fact, I have it right here. I'm going to look real quick. I'm going to cheat. That's Jamestown maybe? What does it say? The Settlement of Jamestown. It's a 41-cent stamp. Yeah, I'm with you. I like all those odd-shaped stamps. You know, like the diamonds, even. You know, yes. I, you know. So yeah, I'm with you on that. And the corner stamps are just are so special, and I've always enjoyed them. I just wish there were more of them. Exactly. And the one thing that that irritates me a little bit aesthetically is when you put on one of these, um, the 32 cent stamps. You have to put a three cent stamp with it, but there's right. nothing that actually fits aesthetically with a with a triangle. So it's always a kind of a game of, okay, so am I going to put it askew so that it's going the same angle as the bottom of the triangle, or am I going to set it over way over to the side so there's this big block of emptiness? You know, it's, that's kind of tricky to play with. They are, they are difficult that way, and I haven't found the, the, the proper solution to that. I think what I've done is done, done the two straight sides perpendicular mm-hmm. to the edge of the envelope and then just put uh, and it, like a big dipper kind of thing, put the put right. the other stamp, you know, right side uh, to the left of it. Uh, yeah, right. there, but it, you're correct in the terms of the aesthetic. And for those of us that look at those things, the aesthetic, the placement of stamps, you know, I know it's it's a it's a you know you know uh, a, a modern problem to have, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Most, yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, the aesthetics of, of looking at stamps on the on the page or on the on the envelope. Um, now I did. I did at one point. I did a chain card that was triangle stamps, and that was fun because you could you could make it really really interesting with how you place the triangles. So it's you know it's basically a quilt block on the, the back right. of the postcard. It actually turned out really cool. But what what that also because uh, I've looked online and there are a lot of other countries that have a lot more interesting and are much more willing to do triangle stamps than we are. Right, right. No, absolutely. They're very they popular throughout shape. the world, exactly. You know, uh, and we're just lag behind in these die-cut kind of stamps. Um, but what other themes do you collect? Um, what other themes do I collect? Those are my two biggest. Okay. I have, I have an, an etching-themed um, section, but the ones that I've been keeping are it's – one color frame on the outside with a different color interior. So picture kind of a, if you're doing a portrait of a government figure, the the head would be black, and then the the frame around the outside that has the verbiage on it and you know some decorative features would be red. Right. So I have I have a whole collection of those sorted by color. So I have you know the blue ones, the green ones, purple, red. Now um, how do you how do you fix them? Do you fix them to a page? Do you do you have these mounted so you can look at them, or how do you? Yeah, so I, for a while I was using hinges. Okay. Um, and I actually, I dislike hinges a lot, just because things, when I would fold the page, the stamp would go to the side a little bit. You know, it would never stay flat the way I liked it. And then my my antique dealer boss gave me one day a couple of, I guess they're called, I had to look it up. They're called stock books. So it's a, a bound album. 
It looks like a book, a hardcover book, um, and it has glassine strips like little shelves in it, and you just stick your, your stamp down in the glassine. So there's rows and rows on the page. Yeah, I do the. I have the the Lighthouse series, which is very similar. It's a three ring binder, loose leaf sheet, uh, but they have plastic rows of plastic that you yeah. put the little stamps behind them. Then that's that's not necessarily glassine, uh, and it's not a bound book, so you can pick pages out and you know shuffle pages around and and those kind of things. But it's very similar to to what you're talking about. Um, right, and that probably would be better if I didn't have one theme that I collected because, you know, I don't have to shuffle too much around. I have my, right. my mail theme stamps are sorted by all the mailbox stamps are together and all the mailman stamps are together or mail carrier, excuse me. Um, and all the airplane airmail stamps are together. So once that page fills up, I have to flip a few pages back to start a new page with that theme. But for the most part, there's not too much moving right. around. Yeah. If I collected, you know, I don't know, all stamps, say, right. you, would, you would be constantly switching pages around, and, and so a three-ring binder would be really handy for that. Yeah. What, what is the stamp that you're most proud of? Is it one we've already talked about, or is there something else that, that uh, you probably, either for, either for historical or emotional or, you know, significance, what is the stamp you're most proud of, do you think? Hmm. Um... I don't really have one. Okay, I have fair. to admit. I no, mean, I just fair. I like flipping through my album and looking at all of them. And I came across all of them. I I I rarely purchase stamps for my own collection. You know, I just kind of I I get them in lots or whatever. So there's nothing that I really coveted that I went out and got for myself and put in my book. It's just I don't know. Yeah, no, it's to that me, makes to total me it's sense. a whole yeah. thing. Right. No, that makes total sense. I mean, because there, you know, my my only analogy was is I sought out a, a stamp set that I've always wanted, and it took probably over ten years for me to finally get it at a price point that I felt comfortable, you know, buying at. Right. And yeah. and, and it's that kind of thing. But but yeah, I, I I get what you're saying in terms of you know it's it's the collective and it's the whole rather than the individual parts that right. do it for you. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, what. Other thing, other than those two things, would you be interested in collecting anything? Is there any other um, theme that you you thought you may delve into if you got the right the right motivation? No. Okay. No, that's <laughs> fair enough. Reason, yeah. The, the reason why my my postcard collection is practically a wall of postcards. If you take all of the stuff that I have for sale, my collection and what I have collected to send out is probably a whole wall. And then I have all these stamps and my teenagers going off to college next year. So I will be an empty nester and free to travel. Um, if assuming current situation resolves. Um, so I'm kind of in this mindset of done collecting, done hoarding need to be more mobile. Okay. Now, how will you disperse of your collection, do you think? You I sell really it all? don't know. <laughs> Donate it, give it away, postcard museum? Um, postcard museum, probably not. There, I, there's, there's not a lot in my collection that's worthy of, of a museum. I mean, it's mostly contemporary stuff. I do have, I do have older stuff. I have a, 
So one of my biggest postcard collections is Poisson de Vril postcards, which is April 1st postcards from France. They're goofy as all get out. Um, and they're all from early 1900s up until about 1930 when they stopped producing. And you find one or two here, but rarely any. I have about 600 of those. Those I could see going to a museum somewhere or, you know, a special collection somewhere because it's so extensive. The rest of my stuff, mm, not so extensive. I probably will have a massive estate sale, male-themed estate sale, like my annual sale usually is, but it will be far more intense with how much stuff will be there. No, Frank, Frank Roche and I have talked about this ourselves, and he's just like, what are we going to do with our collections? Because I, I, I'm ashamed to say that I now have, with, with the addition of, of some recent procurements, I'm not going to say from whom, uh, <laughs> I have about 40,000 postcards. Yeah. And there's no way that I'm going to use or send out all those postcards. Right. I just did my inv- I just finished my inventory last night about well this morning about one o'clock of my stamp collection, and I have a, a minimum. Well, I, I have it in a, an Excel spreadsheet, so I have 781 individual entries wow. of stamps, and that's that's unused stamps. That's not even right. counting my used stamps. Right. So this whole idea is, you know, what, what is my legacy going to be and where is it going to go <laughs> when the time comes? Because there's no way that, uh, you know, I'm going to be uh, using all the stuff that I have. Right. But Frank and I have talked about, you know, opening up this, this uh, grand postcard store here, either in New York City or one of the big cities. And just everyone, you know, that instead of estate sales, you can just donate your postcards to this museum at the store and then we'll sell them out into the world. And then if you're, a postcard, if you're a postcard person, you can come and find that, you know, St. Pierre, Wisconsin stamp uh, postcard uh, at our store. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? That would be fabulous, wouldn't it? If it you would. Have a table set up where people can, can just leisurely go through and look at all the stuff that you have, yeah. I can see that it would be a gathering place. Yeah, and then maybe uh, have them, you know, uh, digitized so you can do a computer search as well. So do waterfalls and just have all the waterfalls, and it gives you a a reference number, and you go to that section of the table, that box on the table, and that right. and find it. Yeah, right. Not, I've actually great? thought this through. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, I can I can help supply you guys, and whenever I'm passing through the area, I would help you organize and you know like resort stuff. But see, but that is your that is one of your forts. One of your strengths is that uh, you know you are one of these researchers for postcards. You have that experience. I, I am. I am. And I just think that that is such a cool job to have. I'm sure it's not as, as romantic as it sounds, you know, as we're talking about it. But, but I just think it just to be, you know, I don't want to you know, throw a title on you, but to be an expert in, you know, re, you know, the knowledge that you have or the knowledge that you're able to have at your fingertips uh, for postcards, it's just you know, it's just fantastic, and yeah. I just think that would be so cool to be able to immerse yourself. And I know there are because you and I have talked about this pressures of having to find this research in a timely manner, and you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, for right, for you right. know, sales and needs stuff like that. But uh, it's not as glamorous as as we're making it out to be. But I, I just think, you know, how fun is it to do something that you enjoy like that? 
it's you know yeah. it's it's fantastic. I'm I am the luckiest person in the world because not only do I have an online store that supports itself. I'm not getting rich off my online store. It is not even close to making enough money to pay rent. I could never live off of it. But it definitely pays for itself and it pays for my postcard habit of sending people postcards. You know, it's the money for for buying the postcards and for buying postage and everything. I, I have that in a separate account from my business. So yeah. I'm very lucky in that sense. And then my job with the antique dealer that I work with um, fell into my lap. I met him through the postcard club. He said, hey, you know, I'm looking for somebody that will do X, and you seem like the perfect person to do that. It seems like something you love to do. And I said, why, yes, it is, but here are my restrictions. I'm a stay-at-home mom, basically, I, so I need flexibility in time. I need to be able to work from home as much as possible. Um, you know, and I can't, I can't turn stuff over in 24 hours. I cannot guarantee right. that I'll have right. that flexibility. If, if I know that you have a show coming up, yes, I will work as hard as I can to do as much as I can for that show. But on a daily basis, I can't do that. And he said, no, that's perfect. So we have this wonderful relationship. If I'm traveling... I'm off for two weeks. He's okay with that, you know. So, yeah. Plus, it's, you it's, get, plus, you get to travel for your postcards too, because that's how you and I first physically met, as at the right. postcard show here in New York City. In New York, exactly. Yeah. And thank you, thank you, thank you for coming out and meeting me. That was one of the highlights of that trip. Um, I, I enjoyed it as well. I enjoyed it. So. So one one last question. I, you know, this is the third interview in a row that I kept someone on for an hour. It just amazes me. But uh, sorry, because no, no, it's just that's why I try to tell people. It's just that I'm not a natural phone talker. So to keep me on the phone for this long, it just it's a testament to you in uh, in <laughs> in our relationship, you know. But uh, but yeah. yeah, what what advice would you get? And and you can broaden this to postcard collectors or any collecting, whether it be stamps or um, postcards, what advice would you give to someone who's interested in either collecting postcards or stamps? Um, mostly for stamps, postcards, I'll, I'll touch in a minute, but mostly for stamps, my, my recommendation um, is find a stamp that you love and then find something about that stamp that you can build the collection on. So like engraved stamps collect engraved stamps. If you like Shakespeare, think about literary stamps. Um, you know, I, I happen, the, the reason I chose male-themed stuff is because my business is male-themed. And initially I thought, well, that'll be really fun just to have some male-themed stamps that I can use for clip art here and there. You know, I can post pictures on Instagram, whatever, with it. And the more I collected male-themed, the more I liked it. So Yeah, it is – if you want to go down these rabbit holes, it's so easy to do. And to me, that's the fun of it. I, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, find something that interests you, and then you know, go down those, go down that exploration, down that rabbit hole until you're tired of it, or something else interests you, and then you can do something else. But you're, exactly. yeah, I. No, I love that. I love that idea. And that's all the time we have for this week's episode. If you want to follow Heidi on Instagram, you can find her under Max and Co Post. Her birding interests can be found on Instagram under Beaks in My Lens and online at maxandcopost.com. 
As always, thanks for listening, and please subscribe to this podcast and rate and review. If you have a few moments, since we're all in pandemic shut-in, how about recommend this podcast to people who might be interested? That would help a lot. Please contact me if you have any questions or ideas for episodes, or if you want to be featured on a future episode. You can contact me on Instagram as Russ Romano, on YouTube by searching for Looking at Stamps, or by sending an email to lookingatstamps at gmail.com. Until next week, bye-bye.